Angel Donovan here with episode 57 of Dating Skills Podcast. Now, I like to get men with extreme dating, relationship, or sexual lifestyles on this show, not because you should copy exactly what they do, or because you want to mirror their lifestyle and have the same lifestyle as them, but because they have specialized experience, which allows them to discover new insights that other men who haven't had such an extreme approach to their life won't have ever seen. Also, it can be useful for eliminating limiting beliefs you have or false ideas about what reality is and what is possible and what the truth is. Today, our guest is from the male stripper industry, and he's come here to talk about his dating and sexual experiences, what he's learned from it, and how it's changed him. Interesting fact here, this industry, the stripper industry, generates $75 billion per year globally. This is no small-time market, it's like big. In other words, a lot of men and a lot of women are paying a lot of money for this type of entertainment. In other words, men and women really like to see strippers. So we'll explore where this motivation comes from in this episode. Today's guest is Landon Fox. He has 15 years experience as a career male stripper, both at private party gigs where he goes to a customer's location and in the larger stripper shows at venues such as bars, clubs and male stripper clubs. Landon has had an extreme sexual lifestyle and has had a wealth of sexual experiences both in terms of quantity and variety. You can download the MP3 from today's show, get links to any resources mentioned on the show, and the interview transcript at datingskillsreview.com slash DSP57. I'm Angel Donovan, and this is the Dating Skills Podcast. This is a 14-year ongoing mission to discover the truth about what works in dating, sex, and relationships, to become a better man. Join me as I leave no stone unturned, chase down every expert, role model, and mentor with insights to get us to that goal as fast as possible. This show is about bringing you the best of that information so that you can take it in and change your life for the better, step-by-step, episode-by-episode. In the beginning, I was uh, kind of gave a little background on myself. Uh, I was pretty shy all the way through high school. I was pretty, pretty quiet, shy, didn't really have, I certainly didn't have any game with women. And it's something that I always aspired to. I always wanted to. I kind of sat there for a number of years and sort of watched life go by and see other people doing and getting what I wanted. And I, and I made up my mind that I was going to flip the switch. And uh, your quote that I saw on your uh, this morning um, about Marcus Aurelius saying, your thoughts dictate your life. And I changed my whole thought process. I got tired of, in my eyes, coming up short, failing, striking out with women. I flipped the whole switch. I became, I created another identity. And I don't mean that in a, a psychologically weird way. I mean that in a very positive way. But I looked at what I wanted to be. And I started from ground zero and I created it. Okay, that's interesting. So where did that start? Was there a specific moment when you said that to yourself? There was actually a couple. I was in, not to get too in-depth, but I was in college and I was so frustrated with going to bars with my buddies and they would all hook up and I just couldn't seem to put it together. And there was one buddy of mine, a roommate of mine, and the joke was I'd buy him drinks and he'd take them home. So I was just like, this is fucked up, man. I'm changing this one way or another. If these fuckers can do it, no way I can't do it. So I just, I flipped the switch mentally and I, the change is something that can happen overnight. 
but the process, it takes a while. It's not something you can, it's something you have to grow into because it's a whole new identity. It's a whole new, a whole new way of looking at things. Yeah. Well, it sounds like what you did is you put yourself in a completely different environment and that changed you. Or was there some part of you that was already changing before that? Or would you say the environment is mostly what changed you? I think events like that night in college when all my buddies you know, hooked up, went home, and I was just sitting there on the park bench when the bars closed. I was just in there by myself. That's when I made a conscious decision to change the results I was getting. One way or another, as long as it effing took, I was going to figure this out. And I was going to come up with a recipe that put me where I wanted to be. That was square one. That was step one. Then the opportunity came along to start in the entertainment business. And what that did was just open the opportunities or it's a very, very target rich. I guess I always made a joke too about buses and women, you know, well, hey, you missed that one. Another one will be along in 10 minutes. And that's literally what it was. As many times as I failed in the beginning or did something wrong or I learned from it. And within a day or two, I was doing another show. I had another opportunity. So I never had long to dwell in my defeats. Believe me, anybody that starts something completely new, you're going to get your ass kicked. You're going to fail. You're going to fall in the dust. But the best thing that can happen is another 10 minutes later, bam, another another opportunity. There you go. You don't have time to think and go, oh, oh wow, I'm a real, I'm a loser. Oh, fuck that. It's time to go again. Bam, bam, bam. So I just kept, I was getting force fed opportunities and the will was there. The desire to succeed was there. And it just, just was a matter of learning from the failures. I just learned. So how long would you say, once you were in the stripping environment, how often were you failing at first? And how long did it take to get over that part of the process? I'll give you a little background too. I, before I started stripping, I worked a six-month tour on a cruise ship. And that, I actually, in my book, I call it my internship. Because I went from a college guy sitting on the bench when the bars closed to I got an opportunity to work on a cruise ship. Okay, wow. Now I have the opportunity to go out every night on in the clubs and there's passengers and it's an environment where women are, they're on vacation. They're going to do stuff in that environment that they're not going to do in their hometown. So there I was, my internship was a very environment, uh, opportunity enriched environment as well. So I had six months to cut my teeth. As a regular guy, I wasn't a stripper. I wasn't an entertainer. I wasn't a rock star. I was just a regular guy working on the ship. So I got six months to work out some of the kinks. And then once I started stripping, it's, I don't want to say it's fail safe, but it's pretty hard to fail when you're up on stage in front of 600 women, 800 women, and you're a rock star in a small toned down way. It's pretty hard. (laughs) The opportunities that you get and anyone that's an athlete or a musician or, or anyone that's in the limelight can tell you that the power of the stage or the power of even doing a private party in someone's living room, you are the center of attention and you are uh, the women sense just the fact that you're there and you're able to do that. You have mad confidence. You have big balls just to be able to go into someone's living room, rip your shirt off in front of 25 women. That, that right there says you're not the average guy. So right there, they're attracted to that. And if if there's one thing I could say about the most important thing, the the biggest takeaway of what I learned about stripping or from stripping, I should say, is confidence. It's the deal sealer. It is the equalizer. If you've got nothing else, but you got confidence, you're 90% there. So when you're looking, obviously, you know, a lot of the guys who are stripping and also the girls, I guess, who are stripping because it's kind of like a stripping community. Do all of them have a lot of confidence or does it vary from your perspective? 
it varies. And I think I've seen a lot of, and this is pretty common knowledge, a lot of times people that are in entertainment, comedians, dancers, whatever, that have to get up on stage, they have to have a few drinks or they have to have a little something or whatever they do to get them into the mode. That's never, that never was really part of my mojo. I got off on the adrenaline rush and just the excitement of it and that being a sex symbol and going out and being able to have pretty much anything I wanted in that room. That's what got me off. A lot of people that I've worked with or known have to have some sort of a, an equalizer, be it alcohol, be it some sort of a drug, whatever, passing no judgment here. But the level of confidence, it's hard to judge because anybody with six shots of whiskey, most people can do almost anything with that equalizer. To say that they had the confidence without that, it's hard to say. I think you have to have a base level of confidence and then a lot of people, as I said, that I've seen in the business, male and female, they have to have that little little thing to take the edge off. Most of my performances, I've been sober. There's been occasions when I've done big shows or I've had a shot and a beer or something like that just before I go out on stage. I don't need it, but I've done it. It makes everything flow just a little bit smoother. But as far as confidence, I've always said, if you can't do it sober, you shouldn't be doing it. So would you say, have you seen that guys with different levels of confidence... Are the ones who are less confident getting the same success with women? So you're saying it's pretty easy in that environment to hook up with women and so on. But are you seeing different levels of that? Because I noticed in the book, there was one guy, he didn't seem to get as much luck as so many other guys. What was that about? It's not just obviously the stripping environment and the, and the status of being on the stage. There's a bit more to it. So you're like you're saying, is it the confidence level or is that some other things too? It's absolutely the confidence level because all things being equal, which usually they are pretty much, let's say I'm doing a show with five other guys. There's six of us total. All of us, looks wise, we're all pretty good looking guys. Um, generally speaking, we're all on the same level. Um, that, like a darker guy, whatever. But all things being equal, we're all pretty much, let's say, on the alpha level as far as looks, as far as body. At that point, that's where personality and your own flavor, your own intelligence, your own, your own personality comes into it. And I've had situations where I've been at a show, for example, and I'm with five other great looking guys. They'll all go up to somebody, try to talk to them. And for whatever reason, at the end of the night, the girl will come over to me and say, wow, what are you doing later? And I'm thinking, okay, I haven't even talked to you the whole night. Why are you talking to me? So it's a lot of it is personality. All things being equal looks wise, I think personality and your wit, your flavor, that all comes into it. That plays a big role in it. I've had a lot of very attractive women come up to me and say, you know what? These other five jackasses hit on me all night long. I like you. Now, why is that? Sometimes I think it has a lot to do with they want a challenge as well. And if you ignore a hot girl, you're the only one that ignored her. She's like, what's this guy got? Now, he's so bad he can ignore me. The rest of these guys are on their knees. They want me. I don't want them. I want him. I've had that happen many times, more than I can count. Great. So let's take a step back a bit. How many women would you say you slept with? I, <laughs> I can't throw Wilt Chamberlain numbers at you, but um, I, would, I would say definitely triple digits, um, four, 500, somewhere in that range, 600 maybe, probably on the higher end, mid to high end of triple digits. I, I'm not in four digits. I'd say probably five to 700, somewhere in that range. Okay, great. And before stripping, what was that total like? Uh, <laughs> before the cruise ship? Yeah, before the cruise ship, it would have been probably single digits, seven, eight, 
six, five, I don't know. <laughs> were those like one night stands or was that relationships or? They were pretty much, they were short, let's say short term relationships, maybe a few one night stands. But the cruise ship, once I got on the cruise ship, the numbers definitely went up. And not only that, I more than anything, I started to develop my mojo, develop my identity, uh, the identity that I talked about creating before. I was taking baby steps there. I was crawling. And when I got into stripping, the next level, it just opened up. Honestly, when I started stripping, I was looking to stockpile as many sexual experiences as I could possibly have. So you still have that exact same mindset today or have things changed over time? No. And how old are you? How old were you when you got into this? I got into it when I was, wow, it was after college and it was well, about a year. So it was probably about 24 and uh, I'm 40 now. So I've been doing it for 15 years. So give us an idea of like, what's this past 15 years? What's a typical week like and some more unusual weeks? Typical week, there's really two types of schedules, I guess you could say. Uh, there's, I've gone on tour and I've also done being in one city and doing private parties. And I'll give you the private party scenario first because that's what I started with. When I started, I started in San Diego and uh, actually a girlfriend of mine at the time had started before me. It was kind of my idea. She took it and ran with it. When I got back from the cruise ship, uh, she's like, you know what, if you want to start doing this, I've got all the connections, bam. So I was dialed in when I got back from the cruise ship. What that entails is typically your parties are going to be on the weekend, uh, Friday and Saturday. Occasionally, you can have very odd, uh, you'll get a birthday party on a Monday night. You'll get a bachelorette on a Wednesday night. You can get these parties, girls night out on a Tuesday night. I mean, it, it can happen, uh, but typically your Friday and Saturday that's when your shows are going to be concentrated. And what I've done and I started out was getting on the call list of as many agencies as were in the area and developing a reputation as professional, as honest, as reliable. I've treated the business. A lot of people treat it as a big party. And to me, I treat it as a business. I train like a professional athlete. I don't look my age at all. I'm probably one of the most Year round, I don't ever go off and get fat. I'm always the same, probably 6%, 7% body fat. I'm six feet tall, about 100. And, I've gone from 190 to 205, but I'm always very lean. I treat it like being an athlete. It's about making money to me. It's always been a business. Have I always had fun on it? I've always enjoyed it and had fun with it. Absolutely. So is it unusual for someone to stay in for 16 years? Do, do you see a lot of people come and go in a few months or maybe a year? I've worked and trained with many people that just did it for a little while. For me, I'll be honest, the reason that I stayed in it so long was not only because of the money, but because of the freedom. I'm not a nine to five work for somebody else kind of guy. I just cannot do it. So uh, I've had a number of businesses. I've owned eight properties with money that I had made over the years. I invested in real estate, ended up losing it, but I had eight properties in four or five different states. I had a, uh, had a car business, bought and sold used cars at auctions. I've had fitness nutrition training business for years. So you have quite a bit of free time during the week to do, to do this kind of stuff, right? Right, right, right. Yeah. So you were saying earlier, a lot of the work is focused on the weekend. Yes, exactly. You can, sometimes you have very weird weeks where you'll, I'm on call all the time. So I could get a call from an agency and say, Hey, we got a birthday party at 10 o'clock in the morning at uh, a doctor's office. 
And I'm like, sure, I can do it. No problem. Uh, so I'll go in and I'll do it. As I said, typically most of the work is going to be on the weekends. So a Friday night is usually a little bit less than a Saturday night, usually maybe one or two, sometimes three shows on a Friday. And then Saturday is usually a good Saturday night, typically four shows. Some Saturdays are one show. Some Saturdays I've had as many as six, but typically it'll be maybe one or two on a Friday, three or four on a Saturday. It's pretty hectic when you're going Everybody typically wants their show at eight or nine so they can have it and they go out to the bars afterwards. A lot of times, especially in a big city, you're driving. The driving is the hardest part of it, getting to the places on time. And how long does the show last? So you get there, you, you got half an hour to set up and there's really not, not much set up. I come in the costume, uh, roll up, call the girl. I'm here. She'll come out. We take care of the, uh, the agency fee. I give her my music. She goes back inside put some music on, you know, I'll come to the door. If they want a cop, I'll come to the door and knock on the door. Hey, the music's too loud. You got to turn it down. Don't make me come back. Da, 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 da. Yeah. And then, you know, they'll turn the music up and then I'll obviously kick the door in and go into my, my routine. It typically, uh, like I said, it can be on a Saturday, a good Saturday is four shows, five shows. Yeah. You do four or five shows on a Saturday. Yep. In order to do that, you have to be, have to have a couple of them close together. Um, starting at a six 30 or a seven, you got an eight and you got a, you know, maybe a nine 30 and then you got a 10 or 10 30 and then you got maybe a midnight. Right. And so how long does it last? You, you like dance for 15, 20 minutes and then it depends. It usually is about a typical party is about 30 to 45 minutes. Once you go through the dancing that you play some games, do some body shots, just goof around, play around. You know, they take pictures by that time, everybody's gotten what they wanted and they're pretty much they're done. Sometimes they'll be done in 15 minutes. Sometimes, a lot of times, it's usually about 30, 30, 35. So what happens? How do you hook up with girls? Is it afterwards? Or is it sometimes started during? How, how does all that go down? I think almost every scenario you can imagine has probably happened. Uh, <laughs> I've been doing a show for, let's say, a bachelorette. The room is full of her friends. I'm dancing for her, and she will just yank my shorts down and just start, just start going to town no, orally, orally. And, uh, just like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Far be it for me to, you know, stop you. I mean, okay, <laughs> I guess this is where this is going. Um, yeah, it, it just, that can happen. And it's not something like I'm there to do a job and I'm there to, to make my money primarily. That's number one. Obviously, be professional. Make sure everybody has a good time because I want to get rebooked. I want to want to keep working for this agency. I don't want any problems, and that's something I've always taken a lot of pride in being professional. And yeah, I have my fun, but I do it discreetly. And I also do it if a girl does that in the middle of a party. Then, well, you know what? She did it, and if her friends see it, then hey, that's not my. I mean, I didn't initiate it. Whatever. So, how often would you say the girls make it? move obviously that's a girl making a move on you but there's also different types of moves they can make on you how often is it the girl who takes the initiative that's rare that's rare and that kind of gets me into um something that i have learned in by being a male entertainer there are women almost at every party and i can pick them out like i can spot them you know a mile away they're ready they're ready to have some, they're they're ready to be naughty they're ready to they're they want to do it they want to do something but a lot of times it'll be an issue of they don't want to be the one that gets caught doing it. Or they're worried about what their friends are going to say. They're worried about, oh, I don't want to be the whore, you know, oops, can't do that. 
So they, you see the spirits there that they're definitely willing, but, and that's where if you are so inclined, you need to uh, initiate or shall I say, uh, facilitate that to happen. And that's where you need to be discreet and you need to just say something to them on the side, maybe give them your number, hey, call me later. It's like they want to, but you've got to give them an environment where it's going to be acceptable to do it. And that means most of the time with as few of their friends or people or mother-in-laws or whoever's at the party, as few of those people knowing that it's happening. Okay, so let us back up a bit. How do you see who's up for it? It's a very good question. Um, it's something that I've learned to recognize. When I say the eyes never lie, it's a girl can be looking at you. And, I mean, she can be, her mouth can be saying, fuck you, I don't even want to see you again, da, da, da. But her eyes will tell you exactly what she wants to do. And the eyes don't lie. The mouth can lie. The mouth can call you all sorts of names, whatever. Oh, you're, uh, I wouldn't touch you. I don't know what the eyes will tell you if they are, if they're what ready to go. That's what I look for. I mean, and a lot of times, obviously, the looks will come with with words, with, can I take you home? What are you doing later? Things like that. Uh, it'll come with that. It's a no-brainer then at that point. But the eyes never lie. A woman's eyes will tell you if you can have sex with her or not. In, 30 se- in 10 seconds, 5 seconds, I've learned to spot it. And it's in these environments, especially when people are drinking, it's even more obvious. So... When you say there's one or two of these at, e- at each party, can you give us a rough idea? It's like each party you go to, is it one in 10 girls? It's probably somewhere close to that. I would say at the average party, let's take a round number. Let's say there's 20 girls at, at this at average party. I would say there's probably one or two that are going to be flashing green lights. And is there anything you've noticed over time which makes them flashing green lights? A lot of times you'll hear side comments from their friends like, oh, there she goes again. Wow. Check it out. There she You can tell, you can hear the little side comments that she has. A, like, she's a fun girl. She's a crazy, quote unquote, crazy girl. She's the fun one. You can pick up on it. And they're obviously the body language. And as I said, the eyes just the way they relate to you. I mean, it, it's pretty. Yeah. So are they confident girls in general? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, uh, or at least liquid courage, um, you know, the type that needs to drink to be this way. But sometimes I think it's almost a, like a need for attention from their friends. Um, even though it might be negative attention that, Oh, they hooked up with a stripper, but you know what? It's still attention. So it, it's very interesting, like psychologically, to, to kind of study the party girls because they are, they're the ones that want to stand out. They want the attention like, oh, I went home with him or I sucked his dick or whatever it might be. It's very interesting. Let's just say that typical 20 crowd, I'd say there's one or two that will be the flashing green. There's probably a, maybe another three or four that with a bit of work in the right circumstances Maybe even more than that, that if the opportunity was there and they could get away with it without anybody knowing, or if the circumstances were right, they'd go for it. And then there's probably, let's say, a certain percentage there, majority probably, that have boyfriends or whatever that just aren't going to, no, it would have to be a very, very special circumstance for them to, to do something. Like no one would ever have a chance to find out or whatever. But at every party, there's definitely the green lighters. I call them the green lighters because they like, bam, they flash in green. 
So when you're meeting these girls, I noticed in the, the book that it seemed to kind of go down in a similar fashion. I'll explain like the dynamic. It's like uh, you would walk up and you would say something and pretty discreet, like you said, but also very direct, right? It's just very direct, like you want my number or like meet me outside afterwards. Sometimes it's kind of like a leading. You're leading, you're like saying, hey, meet me in this place afterwards, meet me behind afterwards. And it seemed like a lot of the time the girls weren't saying much back. They were just like nod, but they, they weren't really very verbal. Seemed like they're quite nervous the way it came across in the book. What would you say was going like is the typical dynamic? Oh, good question. Good question. A lot of times, I think they're probably surprised. They're like, "Wow, I've gotten this a lot." Like, you're picking me seriously. Like, they almost don't believe it's happening. And I'm like, "No, yeah, I, I like what I see. You like what you see. Let's let's do this. Let's you're you're stop, you know, let's not fuck around here. I mean, you like me, I like you. Let's do this." And they're, I think. The whole dynamic is obviously you're coming in as a fantasy guy. You're, you know, you're the cop, you're the whatever you are, a fantasy guy. You don't look like the guy at 7-Eleven. You don't look like their husband. You don't like their boyfriend. You're a fantasy guy. So for them, that jump between, okay, this is really going to happen, that the jump to that, um, it, it's a lot of them are, they'll talk the talk, but they don't really think it's going to happen. And then when I call them on it, a lot of times the first reaction is just their eyes get real big and they're like, you want to be with me? We're like, for real? Seriously? I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't say it if I didn't mean it. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm saying it. <laughs> so I think it's surprise. And then a lot of times, I mean, they'll just kind of like, they'll nod. And, and I always say it in kind of a quiet whisper in their ear kind of way. So it's like, okay, now we're, I'm here to dance for everybody. But now this is just you and I talking. I've selected you. Yeah, you won the lottery. Your number's getting picked. So I'm just talking to you on the side. I'm whispering to you. It's just kind of between you and I. It's like creating that little bridge, that little connection. Now it's you and I here. So I want to meet you later. Well, what's your number? Whatever. And is there any like a period of like you're hanging out? You hang out with her for a while or is it just like pure sex? It's just like sex, bam, gone. Good question. Good question. Um, a lot of times, especially on tour, when you're in these small towns, the girls, you select the girl you're going to be with. You select, okay, tonight's your night. You win. They'll want to parade you around town. They'll want to take you to all the bars and show, you know, like this, check this out. I don't play that game. I was warned a long time ago by guys when I first started. They're like, after the show, make the deal with the girl you want. Get her back to the hotel room. Don't fuck around and don't go around where they're going to bring you into all these bars where obviously other guys are going to be like, who the fuck's this guy? And they're going to, there's going to be problems. So what I always do is the least amount of, first of all, I got to get up in the morning. I got to go work out. I'm a busy guy. I mean, I'd like to have fun with you. So let's go have fun. Do I want to dance with you all night? No, I just danced for two hours. If you want to have sex, let's go have sex. I've danced. I don't want to dance. I don't want to drink. Let's go have sex. I pretty much cut to the chase and that's what it's about. If they want some kind of a romance that they're going to get from some regular guy, I don't have time for that. All right. Does that happen often? Do you get rejections or you get pushbacks or to girl? Yeah, yeah, it's it's funny. And that's a really good question because I'll tell you something. Uh, being a male entertainer, it gave me the opportunity times a million. But as much as it gets you in the door, a lot of times it will kick back on you, especially when, you know, when the alcohol starts to wear off on their part, they'll start to think about it or maybe their friends will say something or like, Oh, he must be with everybody. He might imagine how many girls he fucks in a month. Somebody will get in their head, either a friend or maybe their own conscience or whatever. Who knows? But it will actually kick back that I am a male entertainer or I'm 
just even as a good looking guy, and I've gone out regularly, I don't walk up to girls and say, Hey, I'm a stripper. I never say it. I just, as a regular guy, even as a good looking guy, you will get girls that are like, wow, you must hook up all the time. You must have girls all over. They sense that, okay, I'm not going to be this. I'm not special. Well, you know what? I guess if you want to say that, you're probably not because there's going to be another one of you tomorrow night. So yeah, you're right. Okay. But tonight is your night. So you want to enjoy it or you want to take it for what it's worth, enjoy it for what it's worth. This is what it is. So you sound like you're very straightforward in, in the conversations. How often does this work out or how often does like girls say, no, that's not for me? Like I said, there is a kickback factor. Being a stripper, it puts you in a lot of great situations, but it also can kick back on you where they realize, holy shit, this guy must do this all the time. He can have anything he wants. I'm not special. And I want to reach for the ripcord. So it does kick back. I would say it's in favor of, of success. Obviously, I'd say probably 75% success rate, maybe even more than that, maybe 80%, 80, 85. You've got a, maybe a 20% fallout on, on the fact that, oh, oh I'm going home with a stripper. He must do this all the time. Their own mind starts putting up roadblocks. So has it blown things up? Yes, it has. The success rate is obviously, um, and this is not just being a stripper. This is being, when you go out on a scene and you create the sexy guy image, or that's who you are. I'm not saying create something that you're not, but when you actually grow into and become a sexy guy, women can look at you and they can justify fucking you one time they, to their friends. They can, well, he, I mean, hey, look, I, look at him. I mean, he, I don't normally do this, but once in a lifetime, I mean, this guy's, you know, if you qualify as that sexy guy, and obviously as a stripper, you would, that's, that's a given right there. If you qualify, if you fall into that category, women will justify that to their friends. I've seen it a million times that they're like, I don't normally do this. I mean, well, it's just you. I mean, I, if you qualify as that exception, you're not the normal guy. So they're going to, even if they get called a whore by their friends, they're going to go, well, wait a minute. Look, look, at, did you see him? Yeah. That's where I think being the exception once in a while, it does kick back on you, but your odds are in, greatly in favor of falling into that exception category and women will justify the one night stand with you. If you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. The iTunes rank of the show is critical for getting the best guests onto the show. Ranking is largely determined by subscriber count, so more subscribers means better guests. Also, if you've already subscribed, then please leave a rating and review. This also helps increase the iTunes rank. Help me make this podcast the best resource possible for you. To subscribe or rate with one click, go to datingskillsreview.com slash iTunes. If you look at the demographics, using a big word, but actually I'm talking like basically the, the characters of the girls, the types of girls there are, so like social status, age, education, cities. Are there any patterns like the girls that are at these kind of events or that are susceptible in these events? Like, is there any patterns you see or is it really all across the board, like all social status, all education levels, all age? You know? I mean, obviously there's limit limit on age, but give us some ideas. Right, right. Um, Age-wise, 18 to 80. I've, I've seen all, yeah, 18 to 80, blind, crippled, or crazy, all kinds, right? So you've been, to, you've been a stripper for a 70-year-old? I did an 80th birthday uh, a couple years ago. Wow. And actually, the woman couldn't have been cooler. She said, hey, come here. Um, I don't want anyone else to see this, but she takes my hand. She, she slips 100 into my hand. 
Yeah, 18-year-old birthday parties, 80-year-old birthday parties. As far as the demographics on tour, it's a lot of of working women, um, nurses, healthcare practitioners, just working. A lot of times they'll come out together. An office will come out. uh, All the girls that work together will come out together. Um, I would say there's probably not too many women with doctorate degrees at these shows or, but it's not, I wouldn't say that it doesn't happen. Um, I'd say the majority falls into the working, um, middle-class, probably working women. Um, yeah, you were talking a little bit about the cities and, uh, the smaller towns that seems to be quite different. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. The smaller towns, actually the, on tour, the smaller towns are usually the better shows because there's not much else going on out there. And if you go to Broken King, Nebraska, and there'll be busloads coming in, especially say at a casino, uh, they'll make it an event and you'll have busloads. Um, did a show on a Mother's Day up by the Canadian border in Idaho, Coeur Idaho, at the Coeur Casino in Idaho. And there was close to 2,000 women there. The smaller areas, you're going to get people coming in busloads. Um, big cities, not so much because there's much more to do. And probably, I think there is some sort of a connection as far as women who are probably more, more worldly, more, when I say highly educated, doctorate degrees, or, or that probably are a little bit more, or, or should I say less interested in that type of entertainment. I don't want to make, I don't want to be too general here, but I think your middle class is kind of where, and in the smaller towns, you will get less, let's say, economically advantaged. Um, you will get women that come kind of like, wow, you should have saved that money and gone to the dentist or done something. It's like they, they really, I mean, yeah, you, you'll get that in the, in the smaller towns. And as a performer, I treat everybody equally. Just be cool to everybody. And I treat people the way they treat me. I don't care how somebody looks. If they're cool and respectful, I'll, I'll give them a hug. I'll hang out with them. I mean, obviously, it's, it's about money. It's about tipping. But as far as treating people on the surface, I, if you got teeth, if you don't have teeth, whatever. As long as you're a cool person, as long as you don't slap me or as long as you don't do something inappropriate, as long as you're cool to me, I'm cool to everyone. Cool. Is there anything you've noticed that women really get into in terms of the show's and what's going on? You know, you have different things you, you use, like props, like uniforms and, and maybe different behaviors and so on. Right. Over the years, I mean, you got so many years, like 16 years of experience at this. What have you noticed in terms of what really gets the women more into it? Maybe it's in their, in their fantasies. I don't know. What kind of ideas around the area do you have? I think all women, uh, especially the women that are going to these shows, they all have an image of an ideal guy. It might be a character from a movie. Let's just say, example, Top Gun, Navy pilot. They loved Maverick and Top Gun. If you're the guy that comes out in the white suit with the aviator shades, it doesn't matter what your name is or they love you. That's it. Period. You're in. You're done. Done. So I think every woman has an ideal and obviously a type. Some women are going to look right through me and they're going to look at some guy with long blonde hair that looks you know, like a surfer. That's their ideal image. So in, in terms of body type, in terms of look, every, I think every woman definitely has a type. Maybe it's the image of the fireman, the rugged fireman with five o'clock shadow coming to, you know, all hot and sweaty coming to rescue him. It might be that, or it might be, as I said, Top Gun, or it might be a surfer or might, whatever that ideal image is. If you're that guy, it's pretty much, it's yours to lose. 
as long as you don't do anything majorly stupid or as long as you don't <laughs> really fuck it up, you're pretty much in. And in terms of tipping, in terms of after the show, in terms of whatever, uh, if you're that guy, it's yours to lose. So kind of the best way I can describe that. And uh, I mean, obviously, you'll know when, when somebody is when you're that guy, they come up to you and you know. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's great, great, man. So you've been in this for a long time. If you look back, how have your ideas of women changed over the time from before you got into all of this and, and where they are today? Could you kind of take us on a little journey of what you think? Um, it, as I said, it was when I started out, I was I was shy. I was introverted. I always wanted to be successful with women, but I didn't know. I just didn't. I didn't have a clue. I didn't have an older brother. I didn't really have anyone to teach me. So it was kind of, I had to learn on my own. And at that point, there's a, something I want to say here. And this is definitely true. Um, a buddy of mine quoted this, and I, and I couldn't agree with him more. He said, 10% of the male population gets 90% of the action. 90% of the male population struggles for the 10%, the crumbs. So in the beginning, I was a 90 percenter and I was doing everything. I didn't know what I was doing. I was struggling. I was stumbling. I was like, I was a 90 percenter struggling for the crumbs. And then I reached a point and I decided I made the conscious decision. I was going to flip the switch. I was going to flip my thought process and I was going to create the persona, which became my, my stripping identity, essentially. And I became, a, I thought like a 10 percenter. I've thought that way ever since. Have I toned it down? It's not. When I first got into the business, I was hog wild. Now, I mean, I've got other businesses. I, I don't have time. Honestly, there was a point where I didn't, it was a full-time job just keeping track of all the women that I met at the shows on the weekends. And it was setting up the dates to see them again. And it was, it was a full-time job. So at some point I had to phase, not to phase out of it. But I guess what I'm saying is I used to view women as a 90 percenter would view them. Now I've viewed them for a long time since I've been in the stripping business as a 10 percenter. And I've been with women after shows and that I look, looking back when I was that 90 percenter, I, I couldn't have even fathomed that I would have, be having sex with that woman. I, I couldn't have even fathomed it. Like, are you kidding me? Wow. How do you do that? It's, it was almost like chemistry in Chinese. I had no clue. But once I started thinking a different way, and as I said before, confidence is, is huge, huge. There's one word. And the next question is, well, how do you develop confidence and what is confidence? There's a million ways to go with that. But I guess what I'm saying, when I started out, how I viewed women, a lot of times they seemed unapproachable. It seemed like I didn't have a shot, it, like something that was untouchable. And then over the course of my of stripping and, and being in the business, I realized it's really the mindset that changes. Like my physicality didn't change that much from when I was a 90 percenter to a 10 percenter. It was what was in my head. That changed. So when you go out and you meet women outside of the stripping, put the stripping to a side, right? And, and look at the rest of your lifestyle. When you meet women outside of stripping and they don't know you're a stripper, do you approach them in the same way as you do when you're at a stripper event or is it different? And does it go down differently? Are you a different person or are you the same person? Oh, that's a good, very good question. Um, when I'm in the mode, uh, working mode, I'm approaching, I'm talking to everybody. I'm, you have an excuse because you're supposed to be talking with everyone, right? Exactly. You're in the shotgun approach. I mean, you're going after everybody. Some are going to love you, some aren't. And you got to find those that love you because obviously those are the ones that are going to tip you. And who knows if they're attractive, then it goes even further. But 
um, or it can go further, I should say. Um, away from it, it's like I have that gear because I, I developed it and I honed it and I have that gear. But do I like when I'm just out regularly, do I live in that gear? No, I don't. I can always a lot of the skills that I picked up and perfected in the business. Like I talked about the eyes, spotting a woman that you can see. The eyes will never lie. They'll tell you if a woman would sleep with you in the first 10 seconds. You can see it in their face. You can see it. And especially like you talk to them for a few minutes. You can tell this is a green light. This is a red light. And that I've kept. It's just part of me now. But am I in that approaching aggressive mode all the time like I would be if I was working? No, I'm not. I'm not. It's a switch. It's a gear I can always go into. But it's not something that, as I said, I, I don't live in it. It's nice to know it's there. It's nice to know, like, yeah, if I want to go into that gear, I can. You know, that's great. Gives us a good, a good idea. Um, it just seems like most of the time you kind of keep it separate a little bit. Yeah. Um, but you can, you still got the skills. So have you had relationships, this stripping thing? You said, I think you, it sounded like you might be a da- dating multiple girls a little while back. Can you give us a little idea about your relationships since this whole thing has started outside of the stripping? What kind of relationships you have with women? When I started, my objective was to have as many experiences as I possibly could. And it was hog wild. It was on. Over the course of time, I had girlfriends. Um, two of the three uh, serious ones, let's call it, yeah, serious ones, uh, they also were in the business. So we kind of had an understanding. To some degree, they were kind of open relationships because it, when you're in the business, you realize how things can develop and uh, threesomes, parties, orgies, et cetera, things like that can just happen. And I guess that touches on a lot of <laughs> sensitive areas, I'm sure. But these relationships I was in, um, they, were fairly, they were fairly open because these people were also in the business and they kind of knew how things went. So something in terms of my perspective, um, being an entertainer, uh, especially starting out as one who wanted to experience it all and as many women as possible kind of deal. I developed that, well, okay, that didn't work out, on to the next. So in terms of my willingness to work on a relationship, I'm not saying I'm proud of it, but it definitely made me uh, very callous probably to like if the person I was dating was saying, giving me a hard time or whatever. It was just kind of like, you know what? I'm not even going to bother working on this because there's 20 deep lined up outside. So you know what? <laughs> you go on with that. So it created a great opportunity for me to accomplish what I wanted to do, which was experience as many women as possible. But it also, it made me very difficult to have a real relationship because it's not a real existence. It's a surreal existence because how many guys, I don't care how good looking or whatever you are, have that many opportunities just thrown at you, falling out of the sky. So to work on a real relationship, I look back and yeah, there were some, there were some good people that I, I didn't really give a fair chance to, I'm sure. So the, the girl who wasn't in the industry and in, in a stripper community, what, what was her background and how did that work out? Actually, both girls I met at shows. So they knew me from, they met me at a show and we dated for a while and they obviously knew what they were getting and probably not the full extent of it, but they knew what I did. And in each situation, they came to me and said, you know, I'd like to start doing this. You know, do you have a problem with it? And I was like, 
I'll, uh, I'll coach you. I'll help you. I'll give you the best knowledge that I can uh, based on what I know about the female industry and the pitfalls you need to avoid. Um, but I was never jealous. I mean, it's like, okay, if you're going to be cool with me doing it, then obviously it's, uh, I feel it's only fair. Okay. And, but you said there was one girl who was not, she didn't get into the industry. Is that right? Yeah. I, I met her and this actually was fairly recently. I, I have changed. Uh, I have evolved a lot over time. As I said, when I first got into it and for a number of years, it was like, you know, living the rock star life and you know, a different girl every night and da, 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 da. And it, it just, it honestly, it got to be like, it was a full-time job. And I realized I need to start working on other businesses. I need to start doing other things. And that's where it, I had my fun and it became secondary. So once I started transitioning into, you know, to other things, I had a full fitness nutrition business, obviously still dancing. But when I met this girl and uh, woman and, uh, it's not easy. It's definitely not easy. Uh, we're not together now officially. I mean, we still talk, we still keep in touch and we're still great friends and care about each other, but we're not, not together. I actually broke it off, I don't know, about a year and a half ago. And I said, look, until I am really out of this business, I cannot be in a real relationship. Is that cause, because you can't be exclusive or was she okay with your lifestyle? What kind of challenges were there? Yeah, lots of challenges because just the nature of the business, it's you're out there and you do shows and you give your number out for other shows and girls are going to text you and they're going to, they're going to call you, you know, sweetie, they're going to call you, Hey, sexy. They're going to say, you know, and your girlfriend's sitting there and your phone's blowing up with text messages. Hey baby. Hey, sexy. It's a problem. And even though it's, it's business, it's not, I'm not doing things with this person. I'm, and they're contacting me about, about their friend's birthday party or or whatever, or maybe they do have, maybe they are trying to get, they want to be in my life, but I'm not going that direction, but it's difficult. And the business is a surreal life. And for, for dating somebody who is not in it or has never been in it and doesn't realize that I talk to everybody when I dance for them and I say, Hey baby, how you doing? They call me sexy. They call me whatever. It's a little pet names you use. It's just part of the business. I don't love this person. It's a lingo. It's a business. And someone who hasn't been in it, they look at it on face value like the average person on the street would look at it and go, well, wait a minute. This person's calling you sexy. Hey, sexy. That's what it is in a club. That's the way it is at a show. That's, that is not real. That life is not real. And then this life is real. So it's hard to explain to somebody. That's why I was saying it's hard to have a real relationship. Um, it's not, I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's damn hard. And I've been with three, actually four, because the girl that started me in the business, we, we actually worked together for a while. When she was in it, I was in it. And you know, we, had, we had a number of threesomes. We had a number of, she used to bring girls home all the time. She was bisexual, so she was, you know, she would share. Yeah. It sounds pretty similar to the, I, like I had one of the top porn stars on here before, Marcus London. And it sounds similar to the porn star lifestyle because- it's part of the job. And so people get used to it. People get used to our open relationships and it's just a lot more acceptable. And obviously if you're going to date someone outside of that environment, it's going to be pretty difficult because they're going to have different standards and different ideas of reality and, and how, how it all works. Do you see people in stripping move on to porn, the porn industry or escort industry? Do you see any links between those industries out of interest? Or perhaps you socialize more with them? I've treated it as a business. It's not really a, a social connection for me. I have some friends that are in the business and I keep in touch with them, but I don't really share a whole lot of other interests with them besides, let's say, working out, uh, fitness and working in the business. 
I don't really socialize with a lot of people that I've met in the business. Um, we're cool. We're, we're, you know, we're friends. We're cool, but it's not. Yeah, it's, it's acquaintances. I've kept two identities myself to the people that have known me my whole life. And I, I've never changed in terms of getting some kind of a big ego or this is who I am now. Or No, it's not. I've, I've always been the same person, but I've had the Landon Fox identity. I've had, that's my stripper identity. That's my entertainer. So is your circle of friends changed over time? Do you have like different friends or is it really like the guys you grew up with and it's, it's all stayed exactly the same? Has anything about your social habits changed as a kind of side effect of the job? The people that I've, my lifelong friends, that's never changed. Um, they've always accepted me. And, and uh, it's one of the reasons I wrote my book is, is I, I had all these stories and I wanted to share them to those people. They can't even really fathom like, what the, did that happened? I mean, it's, it's, it's a surreal life. So it's to share it with people that they're my lifelong friends, but they've never been in the world of entertaining. So they don't really understand or, or it's almost like a, like a fantasy world. It is to them. And the other people that are in the world, they get it and they've obviously experienced the same things. My connections with them are, are really just business and cool, but I don't socialize with them. Right, right. So that's you. If you, if you look at the other male strippers, you know, and how do they look at this? Like, how is their lifestyle? Is it different? Is there different patterns or anything interesting about the way guys are living? And are there many people like you who've been doing it for like 10 years? They've done a serious kind of business out of it. Yep. No, I've always treated it like a profession, like a serious, like I said, I train like an athlete. I, I take it seriously because if someone's paying me to look good, I'm not going to show up looking average. Right. So is that unusual? Are there, or are there are a lot of guys who've made a career out of this? I would say I am probably in the, definitely in the minority. I've known a lot of guys who to them, it's more of a party. It's more of, Hey, I'm going to get drunk anyway. So why not get paid for it? A lot of guys, I think, are, see it more of as a party, and uh, that's where it becomes more of their identity. Um, I'm who I am, and yes, I am and have been a male entertainer, but is that who I am? No, I'm a lot more than just that. I have different varied interests and in circles of friends and whatnot, whereas a lot of guys that get into it, they maybe stay in it because it's a party and they want to keep partying, and they around other people that want to do the same thing and don't really encourage them necessarily to, to branch out or have other interests. So I think doing the private parties, um, you're on your own. You're an independent contractor and I can go for months without seeing another entertainer if I'm just doing my own private parties. If I go on tour, I'm obviously, I'm living seven days a week with four or five other guys. And that's more, you become more of, you know, more intertwined or more of a family, brothers, love, hate relationships, whatever. And then also, if you work at a local club where I, the movie Magic Mike, that was filmed in a, like a local club where the guys came in and worked every week the same. And that, I think, is where the guys probably become more of their social network. Whereas doing private parties, like I said, I can go for months without even seeing another entertainer. It varies. You can go from one side of the spectrum to the other. In those club environments, it's and the touring as well, to some degree, it's like, it's like you're a family. I mean, you'll, you go out to eat together, you'll go to barbecue on a, on a holiday together. I mean, it's like a family. I've been part of that for short periods of time and it's cool and it's, it's good, but I'm also in a lot of ways an individual and I kind of seek out my own things as well and not, I've enjoyed that environment, but I've also, I enjoyed kind of being on my own and doing my own thing. Yeah. 
Are there any things that have generated any negative emotions in you over the years, like it made you sad, angry, or frustrated, things about the stripper lifestyle that you haven't liked? I think doing the independent contractor thing where you're just doing private parties, it can get very lonely. Um, it definitely can be like you, these things happen to you. And that's, as I say in the first part of my book, it's like I wrote the stories to share, to have witnesses, like to share my stories. And when you're on your own, people in the real world, it's hard for them to, to, to grasp the concept of what you're living. So how do people react to it? Like, I don't know, your friends or whoever, like when you tell them some of the stories, the crazier ones. Yeah, yeah, they do because they know I'm not going to make it up. But uh, I think maybe in the beginning, they probably were like, really? Come on. That, that really happened. I think in the beginning, but after time and it repeatedly, like these things kept happening and these stories, I think, wow, this guy is for real. Yeah. All right. So let's round this off with a crazy story. Which is the most surreal? The one that was like, that was weird. Or like, wow, I would have never thought that was like possible or whatever. The one that, one that really blew you away. Uh, wow. There's, there's a bunch. I'd say it's one of the first ones I write about in my book. It's called Welcome to America. It was at a college dorm. I won't say where, but it was at a college dorm and it was a birthday party and it was on a Monday night. I was sitting around just not expecting to do a show and bam, my agency calls me. So I go out, it's a birthday party. I knock the door and a, a small little Asian girl opens the door and sort of beckons me in and a candlelight. I don't hear any noise. I don't hear like what's going on. And a birthday girl was heavyset girl uh, sitting in the middle of the room and all these girls sitting around her and she was Caucasian. All the other girls were, I believe, Japanese. It was at a, like an international university. So these students were from other countries, Asian countries, obviously. And um, boom, the lights go on and I start doing the party. And this girl was, they pulled the blindfold off her and she pretty much just jumps up, tackles me. And so I do the party for this girl and da, 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 and about to leave. And I got all my stuff and I'm, I'm heading out the door and she pulls me over to the center of the room. I had my pants on at that point. She had some jeans on. She just pulls them down and just starts, just starts working me up. I'm just kind of like, okay. And, <laughs> and then at that point, I mean, she's doing her thing for I don't know, a couple minutes or whatever. And then all of a sudden I see all the girls, I don't know, the 15, 16 of them. And they just sit in a circle. They kind of take turns rotating. Each girl moves over a chair and blows me for, I don't know, two minutes, whatever. And then moves over and then another girl does it. So 15, 16 girls just, and I guess <laughs> it was kind of like they looked around and they're like, they saw their American friend doing it. So they're like, okay, I guess this is customary. This is what we do in America. So I go around, the, I just stood there and within you know, 10 minutes, 16 girls took a turn, just, just smoking the, blowing on, you know, puffing the puff. So that doesn't sound like planned at all. It's just like some strange event. That oh, it's just, yeah. It's, I'm just looking at it going, is this, is this really happening? <laughs> is this really happening? And another short one, it just, just throwing it in. <laughs> Similar situation, birthday girl, and she and her friend, all the other girls had kind of gone in the other room, and she and her friend, I was on my way out, and it usually always happens on the way out the door, you know, they kind of pull me in the corner and, and start going to town. And uh, their mom, one of the girls' moms, walks in the room and just like, oh, oh, you girls, okay, well, you girls have fun. I'm just... I'll be in the other room if, uh, when you're done. And I was just like, <laughs> that's your mom. And you guys, okay, all right. You guys are on that level, I guess. I mean, 
if you're cool with it, I'm cool with it. But uh, yeah, the whole family component was kind of like, this girl is blowing me like a porn star in front of her mom. I was just like, all right, <laughs> you guys are okay with it. I'm okay with it. It sounds like the home parties are crazier than the, the, the large events. Yeah, yeah. The large events, there's been lots of backroom stuff. Um, girls will come in the, you know, in the dressing rooms and there's been all sorts of orgies, that kind of stuff going on in the back rooms. But the parties, a lot of times people are more, probably more in their own. Well, yeah, the first one was actually in a dorm room and the second one was in a, was in a hotel. So I think with, with a smaller group and they kind of, a controlled environment, they're probably a little bit more, a little bit more bold because in a club, you have people walking in and out, you got waitresses, you got bar owners, managers, people, and some girls just, believe me, it's happened. I mean, they just pull up their dress and pull down their panties and it's, they don't care. It has definitely happened. Yeah. I'd say usually the private stuff is, is people are a little bit more, a little bolder, I think in their own environment. Excellent, man. Excellent, man. Okay. So I'm going to leave you with the question that everyone gets on this show. That is, what would be your top three recommendations for guys if they just want to improve their dating, sex, and relationship life? The top three recommendations for them to do that as fast as possible. Okay. Um, the top three. Well, I would say number one, <laughs> number one, number two, and number three, um, confidence. Confidence. Uh, building up your self-identity. What is confident? Confident is having your own things going on. Um, obviously, it starts from within. And when I say being confident, it's not something that's going to happen overnight, but it's something that you build. And if you need to, whatever you need to do to feel that confidence, if you need to start working out and getting great shape, if you need to get some new clothes, if you need to get a new haircut, I mean, all those things, whatever you need to do but you need to feel like if you don't feel good about the product, how are you going to expect somebody else to? So that energy starts with from within, like the attraction. Essentially, you got to be attracted to yourself before others will be attracted to you. So do whatever you need to do. And that's something everyone needs to figure out on their own. But whatever you need to do to feel good about yourself, to feel really good about who you are and, and what, you're, what you're about, that would be number one. That, that's it all starts there. Um, number one, confidence in yourself, uh, developing, flipping the switch mentally to feeling an attraction from within, liking yourself, feeling good about yourself. Number one, number two, you're going to and this is a little bit more expounds on the confidence, but it's putting yourself into the sexy guy category. I'm going to give you three categories. Number one, you never want to be this guy. He's needy. He's puppy dog. He's do anything you want. I'll fall down on my knees. Anything to be with you. You don't want to be ever, ever under any circumstances be that guy. Okay. That's, and a lot of guys, unfortunately, are that guy. And that's why they struggle. That's why they fall on their face. So you're not that guy. What you want to do is create, and it stems from the confidence, but create the sexy guy image. And that is the guy that it's a combination of, it's that inner confidence, but it's also not needy. It's not, you know what? If it happens, cool. If it doesn't, hey, you know what? Whatever happens, I'm having fun. My life is great. If you want to be part of it, awesome. Hop on the train. If you don't, no worries. Have a nice night. That's that confidence, but not the neediness, not the I'll do anything to get with you. That's the guy you don't want to be. 
You want to be the sexy guy because if you want to have a lot of sex, you want to be thrown into that category. I touched on this before because women will justify you want a one night stand. If you are that sexy guy, women will go, you know what? I don't normally do it, but fuck. I mean, did you see like that guy had something like he was what he had was confidence. Obviously, the better you look, the better the outside package you can put together. Awesome. But you want to be that sexy guy. And the sexy guy is, he's got something that, uh, and I'll touch on this too. Um, so you got your three types of guys. You got your needy guy, never. Your sexy guy, yes. You want to be him. But you also want to mix in a little bit of the third guy. And the third guy, you don't want to be him all the time for sure. But he's, he's a dick. He's basically, I don't give a fuck. He's that guy. You know, he's rude. He's obnoxious. Maybe the most important thing is he doesn't give a fuck. Like, yeah, you like me. You don't like me. I don't give a fuck. I'm still having fun. You want to mix in a little bit of that guy because where puppy dog guy goes hundred percent wrong. This guy does, even though he might be an asshole or he's rude, he's whatever. But one thing he does, right. He gets confidence, right? He's confident. Not giving a fuck is confident. So you want to mix in a little bit of that guy because that's where that, that confidence comes in. Now. The ideal sexy guy is the guy who has a little bit of that dick in him, a little bit, but not too much. He's not rude. He's not an asshole. But yeah, he doesn't really, you know what? Take it or leave it. I love me. I'm happy where I'm at. You want to be part of it? Cool. If you don't, somebody else will. Mixing in a little bit of that guy number three, a little bit of that dick, but not enough to be a dick. So if I get that right, the confidence from that guy is what, even though he does everything else wrong, he's rude, he's whatever, but he's confident. So you take that confidence. You know what? Whatever happens, I don't, I really don't give a fuck. Maybe you do, but you don't let on that you do. I'm here to have fun. I'm here to enjoy life. Bam. It's fun being with me. You want to be with me? Cool. You don't? Somebody else will. You take some of that, you put it with some coolness. And, and when I say coolness, like not being rude, not being in a, some manners, but you don't want to be 110% manners with when I say manners the needy guy, the fall down, trip over himself to open the door. You don't want to be that guy. You definitely don't want to be that guy either. That's good, man. It's been great having you on the show. And I know you've got some other stuff going on now. So you want to tell us a little bit about what you're up to about your book and and so on? Yeah, absolutely. I uh, have been working on a a compilation of stories from the business. Um, I call it living the dream because when I was a a 90 percenter and had no clue how to talk to women, how to get with women, that was my dream was to get with as many as possible. So that's what I call my book, Living the Dream. It's uh, living the dream, stories, confessions and life lessons from the traveling stripper. A lot of stories from the business, uh, some life lessons thrown in there. It's funny. It's entertaining. Short stories. Another book I've just put together, a lot of people ask me, how do I stay in shape? How do I, and as I I said, I train like an athlete uh, to be an entertainer. So my second book is 10 super lean fitness tips, basically the cliff notes, how to stay lean, how to stay shredded, which is what women want today. The whole big, bulky, huge muscle look is, it's not what I find women want. Uh, They want shredded, they want lean, they want hard. Uh, That's what uh, my 10 super lean fitness tips tells you how I live, what I do, what I eat. Cliff Notes version, how to, how to look like me. So uh, I've been working on those books and I've got, they're all on my website, landonfox.com or stripperlandon.com. Either one will get you there. Stop by and say hi. Look forward to hearing from you. Excellent, man. And we'll put those links in the show notes as well. Landon, it's been great having you on the show today. It's been a lot of fun and some eye-opening experiences there for us. Thank you very much for being so candid about your lifestyle. That's what's really been valuable to us. Absolutely. I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. 
take control of your dating life today. Take one idea or one insight from today's episode and apply it today. Don't wait. Do it today. That's all it takes to change your life, step by step, episode by episode. Learn more about what I, Angel Donovan, and my team do at datingskillsreview.com. How we help men like you take control of their dating lives.